Welcome back, my friends. Such an important topic today. I want to give a little background first to why I felt this topic was so important to bring to the spotlight and share with all of you. I am at the time of recording this, 44 years old, and I have been getting my yearly screening mammogram since I was 40. I have no family history, but I proceeded as the recommendation state. And I, like many women, have dense breast tissue, which means I need to follow that mammogram up with an ultrasound every year because they can't see everything and what they do see might look questionable and none of that can be really sort of figured out without the capability of an ultrasound. So I recently moved and so I was a little bit behind on my annual. I was probably about a year and a half out and I talked to my new gynecologist in my new area about the potential to switch to thermography or thermal imaging. I had read about it, researched it, felt that it would be a good option, especially given the limitations of the mammography and my dense breast tissue. And it just honestly didn't make sense to me to expose myself to radiation every year when that radiation isn't giving me any answers because it can't see anything. So my gynecologist told me that it was standard of care to do the mammogram. And ultimately that was my best option and her recommendation. I went home and thought about it. I actually let the order sit on my table for a few weeks because I really still didn't feel settled about proceeding with the mammogram. And many of you who've been listening to me for a while or who know me personally know that I'm, I'm pretty tapped into my intuition. As any human though, sometimes I allow my thinking brain to try to rationalize. And I thought, okay, it's been, you know, a year and a half. By the time I get this scheduled, it'll be close to two years. At least I kind of saved a year of radiation exposure. So I will proceed with the mammogram. I called to schedule it. And as the universal energy source, God, uh, however you like to say it, would have it, the scheduling system was a little bit screwed up and I was transferred many times, transferred back many times. And ultimately I just hung up and I just said, you know what, Never mind. I think I actually have the answer I need. And I hung up and I scheduled my thermography that day for the only available day in my area, which happened to be, if you're into spiritually aligned numbers, November 11. So 11, 11. I went ahead and had my thermal imaging and a consultation report. And I talk about that in the episode, so I don't want to, you know, duplicate details that you're going to hear in the near future. But I absolutely knew that after having this experience, I needed to bring the information to all of you for you to make the decision that is right for you. Please know this is a disclaimer. I am not telling you what to do with your body or telling you to be antagonistic to your physician. I just think that 
having a system that's built around informed consent actually requires us to have the information to make the informed consent. And I don't think by and large we do. I actually don't think by and large many physicians do, which is why I am hoping that this platform has been and will continue to be a source of helpful information for you to make the decisions that are right for you. So with that being said, I would love to introduce you to Dr. Christine Horner. Dr. Horner is a board certified and nationally recognized surgeon, author, expert in natural medicine, and a relentless champion for women's health. She spearheaded legislation in the 90s that made it mandatory that insurance companies pay for breast reconstruction following mastectomy. She is the author of Waking the Warrior Goddess, Dr. Christine Horner's program to protect against and fight breast cancer, winner of the Independent Book Publishers Award in 2006 for Best Book in Health, Medicine, and Nutrition. She's also the author of Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, Dr. Horner's 30-day program to Extraordinary Health and Longevity, which won the E-Lit Award in 2017 for Best Book in Health, Medicine, and Nutrition. She has become an expert in thermography, working as an interpreter of thermal imaging since 2017. And in 2022, she opened her own mobile thermal imaging business, Dr. Christine Horner's Medical Thermography Group of Southern California. And perfect timing for me, right, as I needed her, because she is the one who read my thermal imaging. I will put this in the show notes, but for more information on her and her work, you can go to www.medthermsc, so M-E-D-T-H-E-R-M-S-C, as in Southern California, dot com. And without further ado, here is Christine Horner. So excited to be here with Dr. Christine Horner. I just had such an amazing consultation with her in what was it like 20 or 30 minutes and asked her if she would be kind enough to come and share some of her amazingness with you all. And she was gracious enough to do that. So thank you for being here, Dr. Horner. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I would love to start out. Well, first I'll start out with a question I ask everyone, which is what does true wellness mean to you? <laughs> So that's a really good question. So in Western medicine, you know, I learned nothing about health. <laughs> so I'm a board certified surgeon and general surgery, plastic surgery, and, you know, was in residency forever and then in practice for like 12 years as a, as a plastic surgeon. But I truly never learned how to create health. I only learned how to suppress, you know, symptoms using pharmaceuticals or cutting things out. Um, and it wasn't until, um, you know, I did a lot of breast reconstructive surgery and I got really alarmed when I um, started operating on women in their 20s for breast cancer. And I thought, you know, something, something is wrong here. So I started going through the medical research, just checking what, if anything, women could do to help to lower the risk. And, you know, this was like almost 30 years ago and I had no idea what I was going to find, you know, there, but it turned out that there was thousands of studies at that time showing that it's mostly diet and lifestyle related. In fact, like 95% of, you know, women could potentially prevent themselves, you know, for of the cases of breast cancer could be preventable. But um, so, so when I looked at that, then um, the universe kind of converged on me to have me <laughs> do some other things, but I ended up um, learning about 
Ayurveda, the system of medicine from India. So I learned uh, transcendental meditation and I was like totally blown away by it. And then um, the, the instructor said, well, you know, if you want to know more about the system of medicine, it's called Ayurveda. And I'm embarrassed to say I'd never heard of it, you know, before. And so he's like, you need to go to Fairfield, Iowa and experience the detoxification program, you know, Pancha Karma and to really experience Ayurveda. So that's what I did. And 48 hours into it, I looked in the mirror and I looked 10 years younger and never felt better in my life. And I thought, oh my God, these people know something. So then I studied Ayurveda like crazy. And this is a system of medicine that teaches you exactly how to be well, how to create health. You know, it's kind of like they understand the natural laws, you know, the universe that govern us. And it's, so it's like it's the instruction book. You know, if you follow these, these rules or natural laws, you're going to be super healthy and in balance. If you violate those laws, you're going to develop imbalances and then eventually diseases. So that was a, a long, a long response. <laughs> I love it. And it just okay. it combines the next question, which is what's okay. your background. So now we know. Fantastic. We're just consolidating all the questions. No, I uh, I love it. And in fact, I just recently learned about Panchakarma because I had a client who was interested in doing a repeat session. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So let me educate myself. Uh -huh. and, yeah. And then I saw that you had information on your website about it. And uh, so, yeah, so fascinating. So you actually went through the process, which is amazing to. Yeah. Probably 20 times. Probably at this point. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, on Ayurveda, they understand that we need to detoxify ourselves because everybody's exposed to you know, horrible toxins in 5,000 years ago, that's how old, you know, Ayurveda is, you know, with its recommendations, they recommended detoxification multiple, multiple times a year. And it was mostly based on the fact that we accumulate, you know, toxins in our body from stress, you know, basically, and then we have, uh, we don't digest well, and those kind of undigested particles are things that clog our system. And I'm like, well, you know, fast forward a few thousand years, and it's like, you know, we've got all these incredible chemicals in our air, or, you know, food or water, and, and, um, and we just have a tremendous amount of, um, toxins, you know, in our body. So, you know, the full philosophy of it, which is really true, is that nothing works, you know, as far as medications or herbs or things very well, unless you get, you know, the, the toxins out of your body so that, you know, things can kind of flow. Um, so, yeah, that's a very important, you know, concept that we do not have in Western medicine. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's what I love so much about this conversation is because you're bringing in, so my husband's a physician too, and I don't even know if we talked about that, but a but you're bringing in what I, I know from his training as well. And even from my own training in pharmacy school is the lack of all of this, the lack of sharing of all this or understanding of all of this mm -hmm. and now diving deep into it. So you were performing plastic surgery. You started to notice younger women in their twenties coming mm -hmm. in with, with breast cancer. And so you just started to dive in and research more. And what did you find? Well, again, what I found was that it's all basically diet and lifestyle related. The genetic form only affects about 5%, you know, of, of people that get breast cancer and the rest of it, it's all, you know, diet and lifestyle and emotions, you know, play a huge role, you know, with it too. So, you know, when I learned all that, um, and then I learned Ayurveda, I just thought, you know, pe people need to know this information. So I pitched the television stations. I was living in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. Now I'm in beautiful San Diego. But, um, you know, I said, hey, let me be your on-air doctor doing a segment on complementary and alternative medicine. And they said, okay. 
So I did, I was on ABC and then NBC, you know, for three years and then I got syndicated. And, and then I just, you know, I was trying to do my practice at the same time. And then I woke up one morning and thought, you know, I can't, I can't do this, you know? And, and then I realized that um, I felt like I could do so much more good for people by teaching them how to become and stay healthy naturally and avoid the knife, you know? And at that time, again, 30 years ago, there wasn't any conversation about natural health and our, you know, um, in our uh, culture. And, you know, I didn't, I never even had a course in nutrition throughout my entire medical education, which is just like ridiculous, you know? Mm. So, um, so anyway, I decided to leave my practice and just really dedicate myself full time to teaching people about how to become and stay healthy naturally. So I've written a couple of award-winning books. I did television for years, flew all over the country, you know, doing interviews everywhere and wrote, you know, for national magazines and, and that kind of thing. So I've been doing that for the last 20 some odd years. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you went from being on the other side of, okay, let's cut out what's already here. And, and you can't do anything about that now other than cut it out to how about we just don't get to this point. And what I would really love to start with is our testing system in the US and, and what is promoted with regard to preventative testing. And mm -hmm. for myself, I just sort of had like an inner knowing that my body just didn't want the mammogram. I mean, I don't know that anybody's body actually wants the mammogram, <laughs> yes, but I, right. I just was like so resistant to it. Uh -huh. And I'm like, there's gotta be another way. So mm -hmm. I learned about thermography and uh, that's how I landed in your world. And, uh, and I, I, you know, against my new gynecologist advice because right. I was told, you uh -huh. know, mammogram is the gold standard and this is, you know, it's You have to have that. And then you can have your ultrasound and then now we'll tack on an MRI. And I'm like, so three, three image, you know, three testing every year. That seems when I don't have any like noticeable right. issues, seems a little intense to me. Uh, and so she told me definitely no on the thermography. It's only going to result in you needing a mammogram. And, and I still did what I wanted to do, which is how I landed in your world because you read my thermogram. So uh, right. can you tell me a little bit about sort of the, the evolution and wh why we're at this place in the U S of this is just the way it is. It's yes, yearly yes, mammograms yeah, and that's yeah. the only way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's, it's just really crazy. So I was involved in politics and <laughs> national policies, <laughs> you know, early on because insurance companies stopped paying for breast reconstruction, you know, following mastectomies. So I got really mad and I, you know, ended up starting this whole national campaign and meeting with President Clinton and Hillary. And anyway, we got it passed. So I'm very familiar with <laughs> how our system works, the medical system and so forth too. So, uh, you know, it comes down to money. And I mean, it is so sad to say this, that, that our businesses, you know, we're kind of like run by corporations and uh, the, the corporations are interested in making money at the expense of doing the right thing for people. So <clears throat> there was, I got, well, we'll start. I got introduced to thermal imaging about uh, 20 years ago. And when I first uh, got introduced to it, I just thought, wow, this is, this is so amazing because here you've got this completely harmless, you know, technology that can uh, give us 
a heads up, you know, that physiologically uh, things are not looking good that, you know, you may progress to, to go on to develop breast cancer and then you can interrupt that process. You know, so that's the, I did all this research for my, my first book was on all the natural approaches to protecting against and fighting breast cancer. So we know all the things that you need to avoid because they contribute to it. We need all the things you need to favor because they, you know, um, help to protect you against it. So it's pretty easy <laughs> when you know, you know, kind of like all the do's and don'ts with it. Um, and so, um, you know, later in my career, so, you know, I was doing the television, writing books and, and so forth then. And then, uh, you know, probably about seven, eight years ago, I just thought, you know, I'm going to investigate um, becoming a physician interpreter for, you know, thermal imaging. And so um, that's what I did. I got, I, you know, I researched all the different, you know, companies and I found one that was the best by far and, you know, best camera equipment and resolution and reports and, you know, all those kinds of things are super important that most people don't think about, but it's like super important because there's not a, a real good kind of standardization in the thermography world. So there's some companies that have very poor resolution cameras. And, and so just like when we did the big um, study on mammography, you know, when the um, they were looking at the different uh, equipment that was being used to do mammograms and they found that some were so poor, it was like better not to get one at all because it would, you know, miss so much. So we kind of have that in the thermography world. There's a bunch of people working on it to try to get it, you know, more standardized. But anyway, I, I you know, this one company that I found is, is really extraordinary and they have the, you know, highest resolution and, and so forth. So, um, so I started, doing the interpretations for them. And then in that process, I learned so much more that thermal imaging can be used for besides, you know, just, um, you know, looking at the breasts. And then I just became completely passionate about it because it truly is a preventative tool. None of the other tests that we have are preventative. So if we just kind of go back to the breast, you know, <laughs> issues again. So, you know, as far as the, the equipment that we have for, um, you know, um, kind of analyzing what's going on with the breast, all the tests are anatomical. So there's uh, ultrasound, the MRI scan, the mammograms. I mean, CAT scans aren't normally used for the breast, but those are the other imaging tools that we have. And so what these tests do is they take like a cross section of the human body and they show the underlying architecture. And the only thing that they're able to pick up is when there's been a structural change to the body. So in other words, they only tell you about something that you already have. <laughs> Whereas thermal imaging, it's an infrared picture of the body and it's picking up the infrared energy from the body in the form of heat. And I always kind of say, well, if we look at it in the most simplistic level, all it's really doing is measuring the surface temperature of the skin. Like that's it. Now the software program will assign a color to every temperature. And so that's what allows us to have an image that's produced on the computer screen. And then the whole reason that thermal imaging is, is a really valuable medical tool is because there's a, um, uh, an interaction, we'll say with the sympathetic nervous system, which then innervates the skin. 
And whenever there's any kind of underlying imbalances, dysfunctions, injuries, you know, infections, things going on, the overlying skin temperature is going to change. So I can, you know, I'm trained to know exactly what the thermal pattern should look like for each area of the body. The body's also very symmetrical. So we're looking, does one side, you know, match the other side? So whenever I see something that varies from that and you know, is off from that, that's what draws my attention, you know, to say, okay, there's something going on here. So, you know, we're finding, I mean, just as a, for instance, most of the time when I see different patterns, that person may have no symptoms, no awareness of it. And so we're picking up imbalances before, you know, somebody gets these structural changes and, and then we can, you know, interrupt, you know, the, the process of it going on to, you know, form a disease. And that's particularly true, you know, for, for breast cancer and the breast. You know, we'll see these kind of physiological changes. They look like heat and vascular patterns. There's all sorts of different guidelines that have been established as far as, um, you know, what's considered significant or not. There's been 800 studies published in the medical literature on the topic of breast thermal imaging or breast thermal imaging and breast cancer. So, you know, when they say, oh, there's not the research, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's 800 published studies. So what the, what it shows us is that if a woman has some of these, you know, significant patterns, and of course, the more there are, the more significant it is, but it tells us that there's an increased future risk of developing breast cancer. Now, what's amazing is that the breasts are super sensitive to diet and lifestyle and so forth. So when I, you know, find people that have this, um, you know, kind of a early warning sign of a, you know, increased future risk, then we interrupt that pattern by, um, by doing some, uh, you know, really beneficial improvements in diet and lifestyle. So that's the whole point of my book, you know, is to help people to know exactly, you know, what they need to focus on. And then there's some key nutritional supplements, you know, that we use. And, and so um, then we'll do imaging of a person three, just three months after the time that they started those supplements and the improved diet and lifestyle. And a lot of times all those patterns are completely gone. I mean, it's, it's like unbelievable. So we have this again, it's completely safe, you know, it doesn't use radiation, it's pain-free, it's FDA approved. So we have this totally safe, you know, technology that can allow us to monitor health. And it's just, you know, to me, it's this invaluable preventative tool that everyone, you know, should take advantage of and, and you know, if they want to have the best health ever. <laughs> It's really so fascinating to me. I mean, you showed me some of those um, sort of before and afters, and it was like hard to believe that that was the same person and not even just from the breast, but also the the guy that you showed me who drank the alcohol and just yes. the inflammatory uh -huh. response that occurred yes. even 24 hours after the alcohol, like yes. thinking most people think like, okay, I'm good. It's all been washed out. But so it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I also think what's fascinating is what I see is my mindset going into this. So when I go into a mammogram, I'm going in anxious. I don't know what they're going to find. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, like there's just all of this anxiety that I'm noticing in my uh -huh. body. And then it's like, okay, you know, the, you have dense breasts, like 50% of women, we got to do the ultrasound. And so now we're stressed about the ultrasound, like just stress uh -huh. after stress. And then, okay, I get the all clear. And then I go back to my regular life, right? right. Versus uh -huh. what happened with this was, 
I did the thermal imaging and I had a consultation with you and you told me there was some lymphatic congestion and I had no idea. I mean, I would have had no idea how, what other tests would have told me I had lymphatic no congestion, test no yeah. test. And so I'm like, okay, I don't really have any idea why I have lymphatic congestion, but I'll go get a lymphatic drainage massage. And I did. And I felt like absolute trash after that. I mean, right after I felt great. The day after I felt like trash and I was like, well, isn't this confirmatory that I must have yes. had congestion? Yes. I don't know what they just mobilized, but it needed to be mobilized. Right. right. So, and then I just sat in complete awe over how would I've ever known that? So yes. now yes. to me, yeah. it's like, uh-huh. this is like something we can take action on. Like yes. I'm yes. now I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, let's get the test. What do uh-huh. we need to do, you know, yeah. to get better, yeah. to optimize? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you brought up a good point there too. So thermal imaging is something that shows us, uh, you know, all sorts of things that no other test does. And one thing that it shows us that is just so incredibly important is inflammation in the body. I mean, so we can see focal areas of inflammation, let's say like in a wrist or a knee or something like that. But it also shows us these very distinct patterns that are called mottling, M-O-T-T-L-I-N-G patterns when someone has inflammation in their body. So we can actually get a picture and kind of like measure, okay, how extensive is the inflammation in this person's body, you know, based on the concentration of these patterns, the intensity of the patterns, locations of the patterns and so forth. And then we can monitor them. Like if you put someone on a anti-inflammatory type program, then we can monitor to make sure it's working, you know, so, you know, over time, but we know inflammation is kind of the key thing that drives all the different chronic diseases from dementia to heart disease, to arthritis, to, to cancers like breast, prostate, and colon cancer um, are really driven by inflammation, you know, tremendously. So that gives us, you know, unbelievable information and power in helping, you know, people. Because again, most people, they have no idea, you know, that, that it's there. So um, anyway, that's real cool. And then oftentimes too, I'll see um, where people might have a, an infection in their root canal, uh, you know, under a root canal. And the dentist, when they're looking in your mouth, everything looks normal. When they do an x-ray, everything looks normal. And then we'll do thermal imaging and it'll be like, holy cow. I mean, there's like this big, huge, you know, focus of infection. And then I send it back to the dentist and they, you know, sure enough, you know, they've got, you know, an infection going on that there was no other way, you know, to be able to tell. Yeah. It's, it's really just amazing that we don't know about this um, on more of a mainstream Mm -hmm. um, and that our physicians are not knowledgeable enough to even feel comfortable recommending it. So talk a little bit about the concept of sort of standard of care and guideline directed care Uh and where the, where, like where we're going wrong with that. Okay. Okay. Well, again, you know, it's money driven (laughs) because, um, there's been there. So a few years ago, let's just say five, six years ago, it's been, I think, um, there were a number of long-term studies that concluded that had been going on for 20 to 25 years, looking at, um, women, you know, the, the value of mammography. So there was a study in Canada that they did. A lot of times we can do better research there because of the national health you know, system allows us to get better data. But they did this study where they had um, thousands of women and they put half of them (laughs) did not get mammograms and they just did breast examinations themselves, tactile, that and the doctor did. And then the other half got mammograms. 
And they found at the end of 25 years, which is actually, you have to do studies that go out for 20 years to get accurate data on breast cancer, you know, the influences on it. So uh, after that time period, they found that there was no difference in the mortality from breast cancer, whether you did mammograms or not. And then they also found that there was all sorts of issues with them that, you know, we just didn't really realize how bad it was where <clears throat> it misses, you know, half the cancers and people who have dense breasts. Well, 50% of people got, you know, dense breasts after 50. And before that time, mammograms are worthless because you can't see through dense breast tissue and all young women have, have dense breast tissue. So it's like, okay, here we have a test. I was, I was operating on 20 year olds. Okay. Now you can't do a mammogram on them or on a 30 year old and barely on a 40 year old. And, and then of course it's using radiation. And, you know, to me, it's like, okay, we're going to use a test to look for a disease that the test actually increases the risk of. I mean, that just seems insane you know, to me. It's just, you know, nuts. So, um, so then the other issues are that, you know, it overdiagnoses. So it's not very specific. You know, when it sees something, you know, it, it goes, oh, you need to have a biopsy. Well, it turns out that 80% of the time when it says you need a biopsy, it turns out to be benign. So in other words, they're unnecessary biopsies. And, you know, women don't do well with that. I mean, it is extremely anxiety provoking when you have to have a biopsy because mammogram finds, you know, something in there. And then more radiation and then more mammograms and stuff. So <clears throat> at the conclusion of these studies, and, and there was another you know, big one that was done in the United States, the recommendation <clears throat> was that um, you should not get mammograms, you know, because they, they cause more harm than good. And if you did other testing, like, you know, thermal imaging, but no test should be used as a standalone test because no test is perfect. You know, thermal imaging is a physiological test and all the other ones are anatomical tests. So if we combine them, so I usually like to, you know, combine ultrasounds with thermal imaging. So completely harmless to the body. And then also, you know, physical examination. And there's studies showing that is more effective at, you know, at, uh, you know, kind of analyzing the breast tissue, you know, that way than, than doing mammograms, you know, are. So uh, Switzerland, uh, the, their medical board said they were going to phase out doing mammograms because they thought it was unethical to do a test that caused more harm than good. Now we have, we are really locked into the the money factor because we got mammograms everywhere and we had all these people making money and reading them and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's like, clearly, you know, doing any kind of shift like that, it's like, oh, that's too scary. You know, it's going to like, you know, mess up the, the infrastructure of our, our, of our medical system. But that's the truth of it. I mean, it's like, okay, we have the studies and then uh, Europe pays attention, but we don't, <laughs> you know? It's so, so true. Yeah. Europe, I, I believe outside of Switzerland, because I did see the Switzerland shift. And then Europe, I think from what I saw was an every other year recommended, like every other country was every other year. Or I yes. think one was like every three years. We're the only right. one that's every year. And well, they changed, they had it every other year. I don't know. They keep messing with it. And then they said, oh, don't do it until you're 50. And then they're like, wait, you know, it's just because it doesn't work that great. You know, it's, I mean, to me, it's like, and they're like, oh, mammograms save lives. And it's like, because they don't prevent you from getting the disease. 
you know, the whole thing is that, you know, you try to catch it at an earlier stage, right? Uh, and I'm like, well, you know what? My mom had breast cancer and she got her mammograms every single year and they caught it at stage one, no lymph nodes metastasis and all of her tumor markers were favorable. And five years later, she got a metastasis to her femur and she gave up and she died. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that doesn't necessarily work. Right. And it's, you know, much better to have, you know, tools where we can pick up imbalances in the body at a stage before you've developed something and we can, you know, uh, interrupt that whole process. Of course, as I told you in Western medicine, I never had a course in nutrition. So they don't even know how to interrupt the process, you know, to, to, to create good health. Um, you know, so fortunately, you know, at this point in time, we've definitely got tons and tons of naturopaths and, you know, even integrative, you know, MDs and so forth. And so I always strongly encourage people to also work with a more holistically trained practitioner. And um, in that way, you know, you have somebody who actually understands health and, and creating, you know, balance in the body again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a challenge for so many right now is the bridge, you know, like there's so many people who are starting to really question like, well, this doesn't make sense. And I don't really feel like I want to do that. Right. And then, but, but there's no, like, there's no gray space. You're either right. full traditional, like Western right. or, and, and so they have this, it's really difficult to kind of manage that bridge. Uh, yes. But you know, the, the actual radiation exposure from a mammogram, I would like to kind uh -huh. of talk about that. Cause I think back to when I started questioning dental x-rays that were happening every year for uh -huh. an eternity. Right. And I'm like, I've never had a singular issue. Can we just right. make this every two years? Yes. Like the Europeans do. Yeah. And, and it was this big fight for no reason. The dentist was like, you're questioning my judgment. And, uh, and right. I do it thing. every five years. I mean, That's I'm fantastic. Doing... Yeah. I, I, I mean, and so, right. and the argument then was, this is the same amount of radiation as when you walk outside. And I got that same <laughs> argument from my guy about the mammogram. It's the same as you walking outside. So please talk about that. Cause I'm sure I'm not the only one hearing this. No, it is not the same as walking outside. I mean, it's intense radiation. It's like a chest x-ray, multiple ones. Cause it's all concentrated on the breast. So it is not minor, you know, and then, we also have to talk about, well, you go and get your mammogram, but how many times does it say, oh, we got to come back. We got to do another one. Now we got to do 3D. Now we got to, you know, and it's a cumulative. <clears throat> so here's a scary statistic. So <clears throat> women who have the BRCA1 gene mutation. So that's kind of the, you know, one that Angelina Jolie had. And it's kind of the one that, you know, we, we talk about the most. There's other genetic stuff, but that's the one that, you know, carries the highest risk. So uh, the stats are that 80% of women who have the BRCA1 gene will develop breast cancer by the time they're 80. Now, if you look in the medical you know, research and going back in time, we found that women, families of BRCA1 gene mutation people um, used to be only 30% of them got breast cancer. Now it's 80%. And it's like, well, why is that? And it's like, well, hello, it's our American diet and lifestyle and all mm -hmm. the toxins and the stress and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you um, do, so, so one of the problems with people with the BRCA1 gene mutation is that it's a mutation in being able to do DNA repair. You know, so when we have damage to our DNA, you know, we have all these repair systems and, uh, you know, to fix it, but that theirs is impaired. 
So <clears throat> they did these studies where they, you know, just ridiculous stuff. And I, I run into patients like this too, where because, you know, they have the BRCA1 gene mutation, they said, oh, you should get a mammogram when you're 25 or, you know, 30 or something. Well, first of all, you can't see anything. And then they found that even doing like one mammogram on a woman with a BRCA1 gene mutation or in, at the age of 30, it increases her risk of breast cancer by 90%. Wow. Because it can't, you know, that that DNA damage, you know, from, from the radiation. So they should never, you know, have that, you know, uh, test with them because, you know, it has such a terrible effect and it's way worse when they're younger, you know, uh, as far as the amount of damage, you know, that occurs. So <clears throat> again, it's kind of rare, but there's things you can do with BRCA1 gene mutation where not only you do just kind of the general stuff as far as the healthy diet and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, but there's certain nutrients they found that targets the, the BRCA1 gene mutation. So, uh, you know, vitamin D3, you know, that has a direct effect on, on that um, mutation and makes it behave like it's less, you know, mutant. <laughs> and then um, ginkgo biloba, they found uh, has an effect, you know, on that gene and it reduces the risk of ovarian cancer, which also happens with the BRCA1 gene mutation by 60%, you know, by, by taking that. I always love this stat because I'm a coffee drinker. I love my French roast in the morning. So they found that there's an interaction with caffeinated coffee and the BRCA1 gene. And so women who have that mutation, if they drink one to two cups a day, the risk of breast cancer goes down by 25%. If they drink three to four cups a day, the risk goes, goes down by 50%. If they drink five cups a day, it goes down by 70%. Old. You don't even need to say anymore. I'll go have one right after this. So anyway, you know, like I said, there's things where it's like, okay, we know how these nutrients, I mean, all the testing since we, you know, like uh, did the genome, all the testing, you know, is on, okay, what genes are being activated, which ones are being turned off and everything, you know, so we had know that knowledge, you know, for the genes. So you can actually target, you know, your therapy using, you know, natural uh, substances to help lower the risk and, you know, do ultrasounds and thermography. And <laughs> and I want to point out to those listening that the thermography, you can pay out of pocket. You do not need a physician's. I didn't know this before, uh -huh. um, but my functional medicine, I was asking my functional medicine doctor if she would prescribe it because I assumed my guy and what she's like, you don't even need it. Just go do it, and which is fantastic. Uh -huh. And then her scan is the option yes. for the ultrasound if yes. you don't want to deal with insurance drama. And so I just want to, I want everybody, because I know that there's already people thinking, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to get past this insurance thing. Uh -huh. And um, there's always a way where there's a will. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, okay. So for the people who are listening and are thinking, okay, fantastic. I, this is all new to me. What, like, what are my next steps? What can I do now? What, what would just the average person listening who's otherwise healthy, what can they do now to start uh, helping themselves get on the right track with the right testing and the right supplementation? Sure. Um, so, you know, uh, I definitely think it's a really good idea for everybody to have thermal imaging once a year, uh, you know, as a minimum so that we can, you know, just kind of keep tabs on, on your overall health. Um, and again, just to remember that, you know, there's not a good standardization in the industry and what company you go to and who you go to, <clears throat> you know, makes a huge difference. So 
The FLIR camera, F-L-I-R, um, is considered kind of top in the industry and um, you want, you know, really high resolution. I mean, you could go to my website and learn all this stuff, you know. And I'll include that. I'll include that. You know, what's important. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's there's certain things I, you know, have on there about what do you need to look for? Because most people don't even think about that. So it's very important that you get, you know, really high quality, you know, thermal imaging. Um, and then, you know, ultrasounds once a year, too, I think is extremely important because it's completely harmless, but it gives us a good, um, you know, look at the structure, you know, of the of breast tissue. Um, and then as far as supplementation is concerned, um, you know, there's two kind of generalized supplements I recommend for everybody, which is vitamin D3 and omega-3 fatty acids. Um, so vitamin D3, there's, there's been just a massive amount of research on it, you know, in the last 10 years in particular. And they found that the normal value that a, a laboratory will say is 40 nanograms per milliliter blood, blood level should be there. But that was actually based on bone health and rickets. <laughs> And all the other things that, that vitamin D influences, which is enormous, it's like there's so many different diseases that are associated with low vitamin D levels and from, you know, Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis to, you know, breast cancer and, and dementia and, and everything. So <clears throat> if you get your vitamin D levels up to 60 nanograms per milliliter, there's a 70% reduction in the incidence of breast cancer, just with that nutrient alone. So that one, really, virtually everyone needs to take supplementation. Everybody metabolizes it differently. We have no idea how much you should take. It could be 2,000 uh, international units. It could be 10,000 international units to get your levels up to that um, 60 nanograms per milliliter. So it's recommended to test uh, about every six months, you know, to kind of stay on top of it. Omega-3 fatty acids are... <clears throat> Equally, you know, really crucial. Um, our body just functions so much better when we have higher amounts of omega-3 fatty acids. So this is fish oil and flax oil, you know, uh, type of thing. And so the cell membranes are made out of fat. Our brains are coated in fat. Our nerves are coated with fat. So we use a lot of fat um, in our body and we need it. Uh, but it really makes a difference which type that you're consuming. Um, so when you're high in omega-3 fatty acids, the cell membranes are more fluid and, this, and they just function a whole lot better. It's also phenomenally anti-inflammatory. So there was a study that was done that looked at different um, substances and what their anti-inflammatory kind of factors were. And they found of everything that they tested, omega-3 fatty acids had the highest amount of anti-inflammatory properties. So... That's like super crucial. They also have a lot of anti-cancer, you know, effects, you know, too. So there's a blood test for that one too, called the omega-3 fatty acid index, and you want it to be 8% or higher. And it varies a lot with people, you know, as well. So I always give myself as an example. So I'm an athlete, I, you know, I'm a long distance runner and all that kind of stuff. I burn through the omega-3 fatty acids. And so the normal dose is 2000 milligrams a day. I have to take three times that <laughs> to get my levels up, you know, to that, um, to 8% or higher. And then there's a couple different um, kind of more breast health specific supplements that I recommend. Uh, one is a flax lignin uh, supplement called Brovale. So it's spelled B as in boy, R as in Roger, E as in Edward, V as in Victor, A as in apple, I, L, Brovale. And we found that flax seeds, uh, the lignans in the flax seeds um, have these phenomenal anti-cancer properties and that are extremely hormonally balancing. Um, so <clears throat> that's real important. And then I 
actually formulated a supplement back in 2005, working with one of the top, um, you know, supplement companies in the industry. You know, after I was doing all the research for my book, I found all these different nutrients like turmeric and green tea and mitake mushrooms and, you know, grapeseed extract and, and things from cruciferous vegetables. Just tremendous. I mean, like turmeric's got 30 different anti-cancer properties to it. There's like 20,000 studies in the medical, you know, research. It's the most researched um, plant that there is. And so I was like, hey, you know, what would happen if we combined all these things, you know, together? So so they said, sure. So we created what's called protective breast formula. I have that on my website too, but um, <clears throat> the stat or the pictures that I showed you, you know, when I did your consultation, those were of people that we did the pre kind of, you know, taking protective breast formula <laughs> and the post. So it was it just jaw dropping, you know, improvements that we, that we saw with it. So, um, you know, that's kind of like it. I'm not big on to taking, you know, 50 different supplements. It's like, you can really kind of cover, you know, a lot of the bases with just a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. And I've, um, I'm, I'm on board. I'm already taking all of it. So I will link the, um, protective breast formula so that you all can, can get that if you would like, and also, um, the website and, and all the things and your book. So your book is waking. The, well, you have multiple books, but your uh -huh. book is waking the warrior goddess. So uh -huh. talk a little bit, and that's, there's an updated edition of that. Yeah. So there's, that was my first book and that's on all the natural approaches to protecting against and fighting breast cancer. Um, so that won a national book award for the best book in health medicine and nutrition. It's been, it's in its third edition, you know, right now. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you know, one that, you know, when I was doing all the research on what causes breast cancer, it was like, well, the, the way to lower your risk, it's like, that's the way to lower your risk of every kind of, you know, chronic disease. Uh, my second book is called Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty. And it's meant to be a guide about teaching people how to become healthy. <laughs> Again, I did not learn that in medical school. It's like, how, how do you become healthy? So it's not about diseases. It's about, okay, how do you become healthy? And, ex you know, you can experience extraordinary longevity. And, you know, to me, it's like, well, if you're going to live on the planet for a long time, I sure as heck want to feel good. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and there's ways to do that, you know, and I think most people are aware of that, you know, where they did the... Uh, Dan Butner, you know, wrote the blue mm -hmm. zones and went to, you know, the cultures where there's that got the extraordinary longevity. And it's like, well, they don't have any chronic diseases, even when they're a hundred years old, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, there's just some fundamental truths about what it means to be a human being and what we need to do in order to have optimal health. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all you've contributed already and that you're going to continue to contribute. If somebody is looking, I know you talked about the FLUR and, and how it's important that they, they uh -huh. choose a company that utilizes the right um, tools, your company. So you read my thermal yes. imaging uh -huh. and yeah. um, is, so I know for sure it's available in Florida. Cause that's where I'm at. Where, where it's uh, available are you all, all over? The world. You're all over. Okay. <laughs> all over the okay. world. So it's called, the company's called Med Hot. And so they have, you know, on that website um, there, well, there's a, you can find, you know, practitioners. Um, they have a kind of a professional society that's um, an international uh, let me think, association of uh, thermographers and medical thermographers, Inter Inter International Association of Medical Thermographers. And so that there on their website, they have a listing of the people that have the, um, 
the med hot system and the okay. camera and so forth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Then, yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I am just thrilled to have done this myself and to now be on this path. And I feel already so much less anxious. <laughs> um, and, and I think that there's something to be said for that, right? Like there's a, there's an intuitive, like we should, we should trust our intuition. Well, I, I mean, you know, when I got my first mammograms, I thought, you know, this feels like, you know, Russian roulette. What year is it going to get mm-hmm. me? It's completely disempowering. You know, you're told nothing to do to to lower right. your risk. With thermal imaging, it's completely empowering, you know, because you can monitor your health and we have all these different techniques to kind of interrupt that process and, and get your body rebalanced. Totally different approach and so much yes. more peaceful. And uh-huh. I'm I'm all for the peace and no stress. So thank you, Dr. Horner. I so appreciate oh, you're this. You're so welcome. <laughs> Eternal gratitude to Dr. Horner for taking the time out today to share all of this with us. If this is the first time you're hearing about thermal imaging, I really hope that this has given you at least some spark of curiosity to learn a little bit more. And if you're already doing thermal imaging, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at speakpipe, that's speakpipe.com slash mindingwellness. I would love to hear your experience and ultimately why you initially switched over. And I really hope that this is one that gets shared. I know I might say that for many of them, but this is one of those episodes where women need to know this information to make their own decisions about their care as early as possible. And so I really hope that if you found this to be valuable, that you will share it with those that you know and love. Thank you again for sticking with me as we continue this journey together. And I really hope to share some upcoming solo episodes with you as I've been diving deep into some personal and professional work. And as I've been doing that, it's been coming to light more and more for me how much our mind plays a role into every aspect of our life, but I will specifically be sharing about how that plays a role into our health and wellness. So stay tuned for that. If you're not subscribed, subscribe so you can find out when this comes out and I will see you again very soon, my friends. Take care.